I'm Dave Gray, and this week I learned that you can never go back to the Scholastic Book Fair. I mean, you you can, but not really. Mm, that's so sad. <laughs> I, I'm Anna Mariah, and I learned that. Well, I, I don't know. I don't want to give too much away about what I'm going to get into later, but I learned that maybe some movies just don't need to be revisited. I'm Tyler Hosley, and I didn't learn anything this week, but I just wanted to say that Britney Spears is a goddess, and this is rated as the podcast. Yay! Uh, poor, poor Britney. Even now that she's freed, people are still giving her shit. Oh, just leave her alone. Let Britney be. Her Instagram is amazing, though, and you should follow her. If you don't, she's incredible. Um, I should follow her. You should. She's She's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, let's see, what did I watch? Oh yeah, I watched The House with a Clock in Its Walls, which I haven't seen yet, but this was my first because I found the Blu-ray really cheap at a thrift store. Um, it's the Eli Roth-directed PG fantasy family comedy, I guess you can call it that. Uh, for what it was, I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, it captures that Spielberg Amblin vibe better than most that try to mimic it nowadays. Uh, cast is good. Kate Blanchett is amazing in it. I love her and she's amazing in it. Um, direction is really solid and it's, it's just a cute little movie. Uh, Roth did a solid job with that one. We now live in a world where Rob Zombie and Eli Roth have made family friendly movies, guys, which is amazing. It's <laughs> so weird. <laughs> Very weird. I never thought I'd say those words coming from Eli Roth and Rob Zombie, but it, it exists and I'm happy it does. And uh, I followed that up with The Lawnmower Man which is the best movie ever involving Jeff Fahey looking like the simple Jack version of Kurt Cobain while people have sex in Tron suits. Uh, that is a weird movie, like really weird, but I kind of love it for being so weird. Um, I have not read the original source from Stephen King. Apparently he hates this movie and wanted his name removed, um, which is a shame because this is amazing. Uh, it's a wonderful little weird movie and the Super Nintendo game is ridiculously hard, and nobody should ever play that. But the movie's awesome, and uh, that is me. God, that game is bullshit hard. It's horrible. Not it's not horrendous. like Nintendo hard. It is just bullshit hard, and it hates you. It's the, it's the most difficult game on earth. It's also the most game I've ever spent the most money on. That isn't the Crow, City of Angels PS1 game, which is just terrible. Is it, is it me? Oh god, I'm sorry. Well, um, I don't, I've, I've watched a lot. Um, I'm getting back into the October Horror Movie Challenge. Um, I don't think I really did anything with it in the last year or two. Um, but this year I've been kind of trying to attack it as best I can. Um, I've got 20 films under my belt so far. Um, the bulk of those are first time views, so that's good. Um, I, I don't know, I guess, like, maybe I'll just kind of point out the ones that I really, like, 
enjoyed from the first time views that I've seen so far. Um, I watched Dr. Sleep. Um, that's another Stephen King adaptation. I never read the book, um, that it was based on, but I, I don't know if you need to. Sometimes with Stephen King, the adaptations are better than the, the original. Um, but I really liked, I really liked Dr. Sleep. Um, I like that it tried to do like some visual cue tie-ins to the original Shining movie. Um, and I, I like that it ties into like the ending of the original book for The Shining as well. Um, apparently, I can't remember who told me. I think it might have been Christiane. Um, but she said that it actually poaches the end of The Shining, changing it from the original book of Dr. Sleep um, for the movie. So it actually improves upon no. the end. No, the ending in the book is better because th thematically it's about breaking the chains of addiction in the past. Mm. And the movie says, fuck you, you can't do it. So I disagree that the movie's got a better <laughs> ending. I don't know. Maybe I'll read the book. Um, some, oh, no, uh, don't. The book is terrible. Oh, okay. Well, then I, I mean, won't. I don't, don't, don't read the book. I, it just has a better ending. <laughs> I, I liked the movie, though. Um, I, I thought it was I thought it was really good. Um, uh, checked out Hocus Pocus 2. That's kind of big, been the big thing that a lot of, at least people on my timelines are talking about. Um, it was cute. Um, I, I kind of like the original one, but we watch it every year. Um, so it's sort of like a tradition and like my parents really like that movie. Um, so of course they were, they were all excited about the sequel coming out. Um, it was cute. It, it was, it was fine. Um, I, I think I liked the characters, like the, the kid characters in this one a whole lot better than in the original. Um, it, it definitely benefits from an update in that regard. Um, but yeah, it was fine. Um, also the Monsters movie, adorable. I had, kind of low expectations going in for that one because I saw the trailers and was like ah, I don't know how to feel about this but it was very silly very goofy movie felt very akin to the original series as, as best as, as can be done nothing's going to really capture that um, but I thought it was super cute um definitely something family friendly like <laughs> like rob zombie who would have thought um i i swear to god when this was first announced i thought it was going to be like gritty reboot months you know it was going to be like a lot of like fuck yous and <laughs> stuff like <laughs> motherfucking this and that or whatever um, I, I really, honest to God, thought that that's what he was going to do with it. And I'm, I'm so incredibly pleased with, with what it actually was. Um, and um, then um, Willie's Wonderland, that was a first-time view. Um, that movie was kind of everything that I wanted the Banana Splits movie to be. Somebody brought that up, and I'm like, yes, that's this is what I what 
this is how I should have felt when I was watching the Banana Splits movie. Because um, it's so... Uh, it plays serious, but it is so tongue-in-cheek and so goofy. Um, have you guys... You guys have seen Willy's Wonderland? Yeah. Yep. Yep. I loved it. <laughs> I, I I figured... Well, it's at least got Nick Cage in it, so it should be entertaining if nothing else. And I, I loved that movie. Um, I I want more of that kind of stuff, <laughs> like more um, possessed animatronic characters. Um, well, it's, and... com- it's coming. They finally start production of Five Nights at Freddy's in February. Yeah, and I mean, was this not sort of intended to be that, or and then it? Was no, I mean, like, I I don't think it was. It's obviously okay. inspired it by like, it, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, they were just sort of banking on the popularity of Five Nights at Freddy's. Um. Um. I can't I, I feel like there's an there's the banana splits movie, which isn't really like animatronics gone awry. They're like they're that one the premise of that one is that the actual banana splits go evil. Like they're real characters, not just people in suits or whatever. But they're um, real animatronics. But they're, they're real I thought they weren't. No, I thought they, that they, you know they're they, robots. Were they robots? Yeah. Oh. Damn. Well, <laughs> is there, I, why do I feel like there's another movie it, out, though? It, oh, I don't know. Banana Splits has, has the one girl go insane and wear one of their skin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In the end. <laughs> I, I liked Banana Splits also, but yeah, I preferred Willy's Wonderland no, I, a little. I, I liked the Banana Splits movie, but it 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 kind of was like, okay. You know, at the end of it, I was like, well, that was a thing that happened, you know? But Willie's Wonderland, I was like, <laughs> throughout the whole thing, I was like, oh, my God. I love that he has, like, no dialogue in it, too. I think it benefits, actually, from there not being any Nick Cage dialogue. It just lets him physically act. Um, which I, I think was a really was a really smart choice. Um, Werewolf by Night, the Marvel um, feature, um, that was outstanding. Um, I liked that one way more than I thought I would as well. Um, I've been kind of meh on Marvel stuff, I think because, like so many people, were experiencing Marvel burnout. It's just like, oh, God, another thing. Um, but this one was really well done. I think it was fresh and, and different. Um, and, yeah, I mean, as far as stuff that I, I'm, I'm saving one to talk about later, saving one of my first-time views because I want to bring it up when we're talking about one of the movies that we watched for this week. So that's it for me. So um, today, while we record, it's my older sister's birthday, and tradition states that 
on the you know days leading up to it, I sit her down and I make her watch two uh, classic October movies. This year we watched Dead Alive, also called Brain Dead, an early film in the Peter Jackson Avoir. I love this movie. I love it so much. And it's so much fun to show it to someone for the first time, especially when they're not expecting it to be what it is. There's so much blood and yuck and hilarious awful in it. I I love it. Lionel is Lionel is top tier final uh survivor for me. Him and, and his lady love. They're they're up there with Ash and um Nika from Child's Play. I mean they're top tier do not get enough love, amazing protagonists. I just, I love that movie. I, I, I really need them to hurry up and get that 4K version out. Oh, I can't imagine. That, that movie was, um, I think maybe it's the only movie that I laugh so hard when, like, um, he's eating, what is it? It's like porridge or something. Uh, yes. Oh Mom's my like, God. It's to it. And she eats it. It's I was laughing so hard. <laughs> I, I, I was going to vomit. I, I, pudding. I, I, was, yeah. I was laughing and gagging so hard. I almost had to pause the movie and go barf. <laughs> it's so gross. It's uh. like eating her own ear and is chomping away. Oh my God. <laughs> the amount of blood in that last scene is just oh, it's it's wonderful. It is so good. It is. It's amazing. Uh, but the other movie uh, we watched this year is equally brilliant. It's one we've covered actually on the podcast. John Waters' Serial Mom, <laughs> which is another personal favorite. It's absolutely wonderful. That one I have on 4K, so that was that was okay. Uh, what else? I've, I watched Deadstream. Deadstream's really good on Shutter. Like it's one of those ones that everybody I know seems to be talking about. So you've probably seen it, but if you haven't, you should definitely check it out. Speaking of an Evil Dead style film, it's a lot of fun. And besides that, I mostly watched things I can't I can't talk about yet. <laughs> Not because it relates to this episode, but because it, it relates to something else. Mm. That uh, uh, my super secret project, the great work, the great work. Uh... Anyway, um, yeah, I still can't talk about the great work uh... because you know I don't trust you bastards. So. <laughs> Well, not, fine. <laughs> not you. I'll tell you about it later. I don't trust <laughs> okay. those, those, you know, you amorphous bastards, mostly Kevin. Oh. Yeah. So. <laughs> Just say Kevin next time. Just say mostly because of Kevin. We'll all understand. Everybody out here listening will understand. <laughs> this week we watched Malevolent, The Woman, and... The 2022 Hellraiser reboot. This was a very lady-centric week. Uh, totally unplanned. Not saying that's a good thing. I mean, I've scarred for life from some of these movies. <laughs> uh, 
Anna, I'm going to yeah. give you the gift of being able to go first. Okay. Um, let's, you know, I'll, I'll go with my pick. We'll start with Malevolent. Um, I'd never seen this before, but, uh, if you know anything about Dave or if you know anything about me, um, we do love a good, uh, comeuppance type of thing. Yes. Uh, comes to <laughs> people who call themselves paranormal researchers or paranormal investigators or, any of that kind of BS. Um, we we really love uh, you know seeing them get put in their place, and I, I'd say this movie sure does it. Um, it really took a left turn uh, at one point, and holy shit! Um, so the premise of this film is a brother sister duo um, who are selling themselves essentially as people who can like clean your house of spirits um, to, you know, help mom who's passed away, move on to the next life or, or what have you. Um, of course they're frauds. Now their mother, um, unfortunately had, had suffered um, a mental collapse. We'll say um, due to the, fact that she was also, Apparently, hearing ghost voices, experiencing ghost activity, had the gift, as they call it, of, uh, I guess, um, second sight or paranormal contact or what have you, anyhow. Um, the, uh, the sister, uh, Florence Pugh, is uh, also the one who allegedly has the gift when they go into people's houses and, you know, clean out the spirits. Um, they're hired by a older woman who uh, is living in a house that was um, something like a boarding house uh, for, for young girls. Um, the house is haunted by three of these girls, um, and she can't get them to... Basically, she can't get them to shut up. Um, of course, secrets come to light, and um, we find out that maybe ghosts actually are real. Um, but then it goes into a much darker territory. <laughs> I was not expecting the movie to go the direction that it did when it did. Um I, I'll just say spoilers. So if you haven't seen Malevolent, you may want to, um, skip ahead a bit. Um, uh, of course, what, what ends up happening or what you find out is that these, these little girls had been, um, tortured and killed, um, by this woman's son. Um, and then you, of course, find out that she was complicit in all of it. Um, the son isn't dead. He's, or he's still, uh, active. And, uh, the mom was helping the whole time, which kind of makes you wonder, why would you call someone into your house? I guess it's just, she sees them as, like, fresh victims, I suppose. Um, but, um, it really veers into, like, like torture there's a lot of torture in these movies <laughs> this week 
um, uh, I, I didn't uh, really think about it until just now, but um, uh, gets gets a little dark there. I the movie wasn't quite what I thought it was gonna be, but um, it was it was pretty good. Um, decent acting. Um, I I caught on. I think a little bit earlier than than maybe the filmmakers would have wanted that the mom had something to do with it. Um, they they go down into a basement at one point and they when they discover that the girls these little girls had been victims, um, they they find out by like peeling wallpaper off of the wall and finding you know like help me messages written out and things like that. And I'm like, uh, no guy is gonna wallpaper over shit like that. That that's like his mom did that so i'm like she she knew about all of that she had to be part of it um but i i thought it was a it was a, it was a pretty good movie I, I, as far as horror stuff goes it was um it was all right there you go i i think you're being a little too kind yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, okay. I I appreciate the the twist. I, I don't think they did it well, but I appreciate doing it because they literally did it just so. Um, oh, I let me consult my notes. Because the the, the one thing this movie has is it it has a good cast. Now it's not a great cast. Pew, not, like I know some yeah. folks are like diehard Pew fans. I don't quite see it yet, but that's just me. But they have um, the always good uh, Cecilia Imry as the Mrs. Green. Yeah. And and she's always solid. So they literally just tack on that ending so she can have a villain monologue, which she delivers wonderfully. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel earned. It doesn't really make sense. It's like the whole, oh, hey, ghosts are real revelation. Nothing, it doesn't matter. I think that's my problem with this yeah, movie. Nothing that I happens that, in it matters. Yeah, I think that was kind of my my problem with it, too, is I thought it felt like they couldn't commit to that or something. It was like, okay, yeah, ghosts are real, but we're still going to end up making it to where um, I feel like they kind of just wanted to see people get tortured, so it's like, we're going to just do that. And to be fair, this is a group of people that you could kind of want to see tortured, because the one that's tortured the most deserves it, so it's a oh, little yeah. strangely moralistic. Yeah. I Now, I have siblings, and I like my siblings, so I would never do the things that the siblings in this do to each other, because like, this, this is a relationship of emotional abuse. Hardcore oh, yeah. emotional abuse, so... Like, I don't oh. feel anything for it when something bad happens to these people. It's like, yeah, no, you deserve that. Yeah, yeah. It, like, it's, it's, oh, I don't disagree that it, you could do worse. It is a very mediocre movie. But it's got good, and I think this is, this is what really annoys me about multiple movies this week, is it's got really good bones. Like there, there is an idea there that could be like a really solid thriller, if you merge the two sections better, if you make the whole oh hey ghosts are real fucking mean something, 
Mm-hmm. If you just let the characters have a little bit more interaction than, oh, wow, that's really emotional abuse, isn't it? Eh, fuck it. It's like, it's like so close. There, there are bits that could really work, and ultimately <laughs> it's just kind of disappointing. It's... Yeah, it didn't feel as fleshed out, I think, as it could have been. I mean, like, how long ago did Mom die? What was their relationship with Grandpa? None of that matters. It's like, oh, hey, this is here's some backstory, but you don't fuck you. You don't get to know it. Yeah, that thing, the whole like side trip with Grandpa, it was like we just needed a Grandpa character in for like you know ten minutes. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the but whole movie. Missing active tissue. Yeah, and and that's kind of the whole, like Mom's ghost pops up to make a comment, and it means nothing. Mm-hmm. And like. Yeah, real life is random and messy and chaotic, and a lot of shit doesn't mean anything. But this isn't real life. This is this is a, a movie. <laughs> why, why is right. mom now showing up to these people if nothing comes from it? If it's like a two-hour setup for a sequel that never is going to happen because it sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't make a two-hour setup for a sequel. You need to make a good movie, and then maybe you'll get a sequel. You can't go in going, the next movie's going to be awesome, but this one, we just need to make money so we can make the next one. Mm-hmm. No. Just make the next one first. <laughs> yeah. Just, just, just put it ahead. Do that. Just mess up. Put it before the opening credits of the second one. Yeah. And then launch us into the second movie. Yeah, I... Which is the first movie, which is what it should have been. Yeah, and this is this is a weird thing that I've noticed happens kind of often for small budget films with big, like, big dream small budget. A lot of times they'll make a prequel when they should just make the movie they want to make. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a few like that that I, I'm not going to name offhand because I don't want to shame anybody right here. I mean... It's not that it's it's not that it's a terrible movie, especially if you're doing an October challenge. You can do much worse, but it's just yeah. kind of there. You can do much much better too. Yeah, yeah. If it, it, it ultimately it fell flat for me, um, at the end of the day, I mean, I, I was like, well, that was all right. It was fine. Good cast. Takes a hard left turn, which is for me always kind of fun. Like when a movie goes in a direction that you're not fully expecting, you maybe have a little spidey sense about it. Like, okay, something's going to happen. But that definitely went away that I thought, okay, I wasn't really expecting that. But, I mean, it it was fine. I I don't think I'll watch it again. But I would tell people, like, hey, if you're looking for something to watch that you haven't seen before, go ahead and check out Malevolent. You know, um, I'm not big on paranormal ghost movies. I think most of them are lazy, mostly the ones that are made now. I'm not saying there isn't paranormal ghost movies I don't love. I think the original Amityville is fantastic. Uh, love the Entity, 13 Ghosts, Ghost Ship. Those are my jam. This was a perfectly acceptable movie that I watched this week. Uh, meaning <laughs> that I will forget I watched this within within two weeks, if not sooner. You uh, know, 
I will do the same thing in five years. I'll do the October Horror Movie Challenge, and I guarantee you I will list this as a first-time view again. Oh, me too. 100%. I'll be browsing through Netflix in a month saying, oh, I'm going to watch yep. Malevolent. But, yeah. I, yeah. But I just watched it. Yep. Um, uh, as Dave said, there is the bones of a really good movie that exists within this script. It's unfortunately let down by half-baked mediocre direction and a really dull execution i appreciate that they didn't bombard us with lazy jump scares throughout its entire running time that was a nice welcome surprise yes yeah yeah i just uh i told dave and them last week i went and saw smile which i thought was really good uh it's just jump scares every five minutes though and it got really annoying but the movie is solid it's just way too many fucking jump scares it relied heavily on them uh, and this didn't have that which surprised me um <laughs> The movie itself I thought was kind of boring, though. I love Florence Pugh. I think she's great, uh, but she has a nothing role here. Uh, the setting for this should ooze atmosphere. It's just totally ripe for it, and it does almost nothing with it but give us creepy ghost kids with sewn-up mouths. Uh, it, it does have some pretty good gore towards the end, which I wasn't expecting. Uh, it almost saved it for me, almost. Um, the 80s setting is wasted, except for Pugh's wonderfully high-waisted jeans. Uh, overall, it's it's a poorly paced and poorly plotted movie. It's only 88 minutes, but it still feels about a half hour too long. Jesus, is it? I, I would have sworn it was yeah. uh, 120. No, it is two hours. Because I, I was like, ooh, nice. It's like right in that sweet spot of like 80 to 90 minutes. That's how long a horror movie should be. Was it two hours? No. No, right, no. I'm just saying it felt oh, okay. it felt like it. It yeah. felt oh, longer, like, though. Yeah, I yeah, looked at my clock, and it was like, it was winding down at like an hour 21. I'm like, shit, this is pretty short, but it still feels like it's two fucking hours long. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm kind of echoing your guys' thoughts. There's plenty worse out there. It's not the worst movie ever made. It's not even close to that. It's perfectly fine. And if you dig these kind of movies, you probably will. If you like, like, Grave Encounters or something, I didn't. But I know people really like those. I'd say if you like that kind of movie, you'll probably like this. Um, it's just the very definition of mediocre. It's just nothing memorable. It's just kind of there. It exists. It's just totally fine, I guess. <laughs> I guess. I, yeah. guess. <laughs> I mean, to, to be fair, we're being very nice to it because that is, but that's like all you can, like, it's not a movie worth hating. There's, there's nothing in it to, to hate. That's exactly it. Like, I can't really, I can't find anything to hate about it. It's just kind of like, but there's that... nothing to like. <laughs> just there's Florence Pugh. Yeah, if that's what you want, <laughs> there you go. She's, yeah, there she is. You know, I she like I I'm kind of sad that that she's in this movie because I I think I I do like her as an actress. Um, I okay. I like Midsummer. I really like fighting with my family though. See, I I um, haven't seen that in Midsummer. I just don't. Like folks are like, oh, she's so and like I saw in Midsummer and she's fine, but like the whole movie is just kind of fine. Yeah, it's a, I think for you another one where it's like that sure was a movie. <laughs> well, I've seen the movie that they directly ripped off, and it's better than that one. Yeah, because it is it is an almost one to one remake of Cowboys for Christ or Wicker Tree. <laughs> that's the that's the movie name, Wicker Tree. But it's the book is Cowboys for Christ. But, like, they uh, hit so many of the yeah. same spots. It's even got the same ending. 
Oh, like they're nice. so similar. But Wicker Tree yep. is a terrible movie. I'm, I'm not encouraging people to look for it. Don't look for it. Yeah, don't. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> well, yeah, that's yeah, malevolent. Yay. It's there. <laughs> it's a movie that happened. Can't ta- tell, but I'm jazz handing. Uh... <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, so I am going to go with the 2022 Hellraiser because I've been holding this review in for a very long time and oh. I've been trying to get it out, but I couldn't say anything because of this. Uh, Hellraiser 2022 is a take on Clive Barker's 1987 classic where a young woman struggling with addiction comes into possession of an ancient puzzle box unaware of its purpose to summon the Cinnabites, a group of sadistic supernatural beings from another dimension. I liked the new Hellraiser, but I don't think it's anywhere near the best sequel, reimagining, reboot, whatever they're calling it. I would put a good chunk of the sequels before it in my rankings. Even the ones that were spec scripts turned into Hellraiser films, like Inferno, Deader, Hellseeker, I would still rank higher than this. I just find those more memorable, both in character and story. Um, You're crazy. I mean, I... I think you're right <laughs> Yeah, character and story, but you're crazy. Uh, the stuff I liked. Jamie Clayton is fucking amazing. She's menacing and she looks great. I love her performance in this. She's just, it's wonderful. She is a wonderful, wonderful pinhead, hell priestess, whatever they're calling her. She's amazing. I just, I just loved her performance. Uh, the Cenobites were really good. I wish we got to see more of them and see them do a bit more. But I was happy with what we got. Um, the stuff with the box was awesome. Uh, the box was almost a character in itself here, and I really dug that aspect of the movie. Uh, the movie itself wasn't nearly horny enough, though. Uh, if we're trying to harken back to the roots of Barker's original film and its story, it's not nearly horny enough, brah. you got to be hornier than that. Thank uh, you! <laughs> oh, my God, thank you for saying that. <laughs> The char- the characters are blamed. Our lead, while the per- her performance is just fine, I have no problem with her lead performance. She feels like a stock addict character written by someone who's actually never met an addict, which was my same issue with something like the Evil Dead reboot back whenever that came out. Um, she has no chemistry with the rest of the cast, and the rest of the cast is just kind of there. They're fine. They're just not memorable for me at all. Uh, I just, I love Hellraiser. Dave knows this. I fucking love Hellraiser. It's one of my favorite franchises ever, right behind Halloween. And there's a lot of good in this movie. A lot. I think Bruckner is a great filmmaker, and you can tell that he loves the source. I just felt underwhelmed after this first viewing. It never swings for the fences like something like Bloodline did. Whether you like Bloodline or not, at least it tried its hardest to be something different. This just tried to mimic Barker's film in ways that just didn't really capture that vibe for me. It's fine. I enjoyed it. I'm going to watch it again because I love Hellraiser. I just would not put it very high on my rankings of Hellraiser. I'm even struggling putting it in front of Hellworld. So, okay, no, no. See, now that's just that's just ridiculous. 
I'm not saying it's better. I'm not saying Hell Royal is better. I would, to be honest with you, if I'm doing a rewatch of this series and I'll watch them all again, I would probably watch Hell World before I'd watch this one again. But I still think it's fine. But that's only because you watch them in order. It's true. Sure. It's it's fine though. It, it's I love Hellraiser and I will watch it again for sure. I just after this first viewing, I was somewhat disappointed, but we'll see what happens after a second viewing. Yeah, I I I agree with everything that Tyler said. Although I, to be fair, I've only ever seen the first two Hellraiser movies. I haven't watched. Oh, I'm not going to tell you to watch all of them, but you should watch three and bloodline at least. I I feel like I should watch. I I should just watch all of them. I, and I'm fine with that. You can tell me, no, don't watch. I'm not, I'm not going to, well, no, don't watch revelations. Okay. I'll, I'll watch it anyway. (laughs) Oh yeah. I know you will. I just, you know, you know that I'm like, well, if I've watched, these, then I, I'm gonna have to watch all of them. And I'm really surprised at myself that I haven't watched any more of the Hellraiser movies. Cause usually I am that person, like, I've watched, I'll watch all of a series. Um, but, um, this one to me felt really, and, and again, I know it's, it's a, a Hulu release. It's basically Disney. You know, so I get that there's gonna be that that there will there'll be a down of things, but um, it it felt like Heckraiser, you know, <laughs> like like it, it was a little gosh darn for me, like, and and I'm so glad that Tyler brought up that it doesn't it doesn't it really doesn't feel horny enough, like. The whole idea of Hellraiser is that there is an incredibly fine line between pleasure and pain. And sometimes that line doesn't exist for some people, um, that, that they're one in the same. And, and this movie, I think, like, it it just kind of falls back on like sex and horror but that that's not the same thing you know just because you've got some sex scenes going on doesn't that doesn't equate to the same kind of thing as like OG Hellraiser is trying to say um so for me, it it really misses a huge part of what makes at least the the first movie so much of what it is. Um, so right off the bat, it's 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 lost the point almost immediately. But I also think too, it doesn't do if you're gonna make a movie then where instead of you know having it be like a, a BDSM sort of thing. Um, but you're replacing it with drug addiction. They don't even do a good job of that, of like tying the a, a drug addiction into, um, you know, replacing the drug with the box, with with the the different configurations. I never got a sense that the the main character 
was obsessed with the box so much as she was just trying to find her brother. Um, so again, th there's another total disconnect there. Um, cast was fantastic. Jamie Clayton, of course, is, is amazing. I, w I would love to see, I, I, I would so, well, let me say this way. I would hate for the last time that we see her as, as Pinhead. Um, cause I thought she was just fantastic, just about perfect casting, um, for that role. And, and I love Doug Bradley. Don't get me wrong. He, he's obviously, you know, that's, that role is his baby, but, um, she, she is just wonderful. Um, and the rest of the cast is fine. It doesn't feel like, you know, like Tyler said, that they're particularly connected to each other though. Um, everybody just seems sort of there. Um, but yeah, I was really, I was, I was disappointed with this. I'm so sad because I was really looking forward to it and I thought this would be great. Um, I, I did like the, the Cenobites. I like the design. I'm so sad. Once again, we are struggling with a severe lack of understanding how to light nighttime scenes because we there's so much that gets lost um and and this movie is is no exception um really wish i could have seen like i know they're in the scene i know they're in the frame could you put a little bit of light on them please like can we actually see you know what's going on and not just the, just the cenobites but even just the other characters too um, it'd be great to actually be able to see what's going on. Um, I shouldn't have to turn off every light in my house and close every curtain and hope that it's dark outside to be able to see what's going on in a movie. And even then, good luck. Um, so it's very frustrating, um, to watch this in the nighttime. Um, but it, it was, Again, I I feel like I'm saying this twice in a row. It was fine. <laughs> it was a movie. Um, if you like Hellraiser, absolutely give it a watch. Um, because there are good things about it. Um, the the box was amazing. I love the different configurations. Um, but it kind of felt like the the middle of the movie like a slasher film like just people just getting taken out by the box and not I don't know it just it's to me it didn't really ultimately feel like a Hellraiser movie that that's all because it's not because it's not because mm, yeah, okay no it kind of isn't it's a, it, it kind of feels like they took something else that had already been written and then sort of slapped a, uh, Hellraiser, like, wallpaper on top of it. Which is what, and, that, that's exactly what most of the series is. This other stuff that they've that, written, that like, they, sort of, yeah. into, well, let's just make this a Hellraiser movie. Uh, it pretty much I guess all, they kept up the tradition. Like half of them, yeah. 
almost all the almost all the dimension films ones except for bloodline were spec scripts turned into hellraiser like it was three i didn't think three Uh, was because three's dimension is it my dvd's paramount which is weird oh well no three was three was the first dimension film okay yeah three was a uh, hellraiser movie um I was gonna say one thing. Uh, Revelations is not a good movie. It is terrible. Uh, the acting is terrible. The guy that plays Pinhead is terrible. But at least it feels like a fucking Hellraiser movie. And when you watch it, you'll understand. But yes, it's a terrible movie. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. Uh. Hellraiser. I, I'm. I assume you're done because I'm gonna just steamroll her yeah, through that. Okay. Awesome. I'm, I'm just sorry. gonna call it Tech Razor. Yeah. Um. Okay. One thing to get out of the way. Uh, This did not make Pinhead a Disney princess. Three did. When it was picked up by Dimension from three to 2011, Pinhead was a Disney princess. The only time Pinhead wasn't was one, two, and Judgment. And we're not going to talk about Judgment again. Actually, we will, but just for a second. Hellraiser is a character study series. The characters they study are terrible fucking people. (laughs) And, and, And they are. (laughs) <laughs> and that's what makes it unique and what makes it work. All these people are seeking what they what they get, even if they don't realize it. Um, there's a few others that aren't character studies, and they're the worst of the series, and they're the last three before this. Hellworld is not a character study. Revelation is not a character study. Judgment is just shit. Uh, but it's not a character study. It's a bunch of stuff stolen from other movies from a decade around its release, but it's not a character study. And this one is not. This one is actually two hours. Unlike Malevolent, which just felt like two hours, this movie is two hours. And, uh, okay, the good things. I'm going to say the good things first. The good things are the set pieces are awesome. I mean, they go right back to the source material with Leviathan and how that looks. And the chains, the CGI effects are really good. Mm-hmm. And the Cenobites look fucking... When you can see them... I mean, we talked about the issue with lighting certain skin tones. And one of the most amazing character designs I have ever seen is so underlit that I am 100% certain now that at least the lighting designer is a racist fuckwit. Because that is a choice. Yeah, it is. It it, it Yeah, <laughs> there's this amazing monster on camera and you I watched it projected on my big ass wall things fucking 30 feet tall and I'm squinting in a pitch black box okay so it wouldn't have helped if I had all the lights out uh, oh fuck no no closed or whatever no it was it was poorly fucking lit it, they lit it like a Netflix TV show terrible terrible and it undermines some really awesome design work uh this movie has like who should be one of the best fucking uh central characters in a fucking hellraiser and they push him off to third tier um wrong hellraiser i have up (laughs) give me a second (laughs) i'm just thinking about how good the first one is Um. I know. (coughs) And that movie is so, you know, the thing about a a lot of horror movies, they do rely on darkness. Um, you know, a good scare, like, like Halloween, let's say, OG Halloween, right? Yeah, but fucking Carpenter lights that thing amazing. 
Exactly, because then you get like it it looks almost like a ghost materializing out of nothing. But when you go back to like the original Hellraiser, that movie in my mind is so it's almost it's like brightly lit. It's yeah. like no, it, it, well it it's is. Like I'm horror, it, you know. Oh, it, I mean, that, well it is, and that's kind of the point. All yeah, it's 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 like you see everything, whether you want to or not. You are gonna see all of that, and that makes it so memorable. So you know, you, yeah. when you keep remember, well, I don't know what happened because I couldn't see it, so I'm, that one's gonna be lost in my mind. <laughs> Yeah, and, and this movie has, like, the perfect Hellraiser central character. Uh, there's a man named Robert Voigt, who's played wonderfully by, I'm going to butcher his name, but he's a solid actor, Goran Viznik. It's a Croatian name, and I can barely speak English, and I am so sorry, sir. Uh, but, you know, he was in ER, and he was in Timeless, and he's been in a ton of shit. He is a mm -hmm. solid actor, and he is really creepy in this. And he is in... Ten fucking minutes. And instead of being with the ruthless crazy bastard that's made a deal with the Cenobites, which all the other fucking movies would have been with, we are with Riley, who is like this. Not only has the writer never met an addict, the actress has never met an addict. And uh, to top it all off, she is a nepotism baby. Mm -hmm. uh, if I say name a German film... Almost everyone will immediately say Cafe Baghdad, which is an English-language West German film from 1987 directed by Percy Adlin, which is fucking brilliant. Uh, Percy Adlin is, is her grandfather. And her, her mother is Pamela Adlin, who is also an actress, who is best known for voicing. You know this one, don't you, Anna? Oh, this is gonna make me nuts because I can I can oh, see. Oh, you know this one. I'll give you a hint. Hill. Yeah, it, I know. Come it's, on, uh, I know come she was on. on King of Hill. Yes, she was. Come on, come on. Oh. Not, not Peggy. And no, she, she wasn't Peggy. Uh Bobby. Yes. Yes. Jeez. Oh my God. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who I'm apologizing to. <laughs> well, that's okay. I mean, you're you're probably apologizing to everyone for not remembering Bobby Hill for 30 seconds. <laughs> I don't know why. You bastard. Um. No. Because the, the truth funny. is, she's bad in the role. This needs a, a subtle performance by somebody that you know understands addiction to an extent and instead mm. we have somebody who's just i mean she's cute don't get me wrong she's an attractive actor but mm. she is so fucking bland and to cap it off there's no character work even though half the fucking movie is just her and the other people sitting there none of them get personalities none of them get a uh, relationship development i can't even tell you the names of the other people mm-hmm I only remember Riley because they repeated it so fucking much. And this movie has five accidental stabbings. <laughs> How the fuck? <laughs> At, like, if the, Hellra the whole point of Hellraiser is awful people 
having to eventually make a choice. And they always make shitty choices because they're awful fucking people. But instead, we deal with somebody who doesn't ever make a choice. And then it's like, oh, I learned something. You know, fuck you. It was so unearned. This has the same problem as Malevolent. There are some great bones. The Cinnabites are amazing. The Chatterer in this is gorgeous. Yes! That is a fucking makeup. Uh, the, the, the woman one, I, I don't know if it had a different name. I, I think they called it, a, this one was, uh, Gasp. I think Gasp has been in the other, one of the others. I could be wrong. Uh, is Selena Lowe, who was in, um, Boss Level. And that's a gorgeous makeup. And Jamie Clayton as, uh, the Hell Priest. It's a gorgeous fucking makeup that you can barely fucking see. And, like, there's this awesome design work. And Leviathan comes down at one point, and you go, what the fuck? And you're looking out at the hell maze that's identical from one. And, like, they pulled it right out of fucking Barker's head, and it's gorgeous. And that's, like, a half hour of the movie, and you got an hour and a half of bullshit. <laughs> you have an hour and a half with somebody that's never met an addict playing an addict in her obviously bastard boy like dude was like chewing scenery evil yeah i expected him to start twirling his non-existent fucking mustache after his first fucking scene yeah that one was telegraphed to um i guess spoiler but guess guess who one of the bad guys is i mean it's just yeah that one was also kind of like Huh, I wonder if he has something to do with, you know, more than just, oh, we're gonna, like, break into this billionaire's unguarded treasure trove, you know, or whatever. Like, come on. Like, that, like too easy. Too easy. I, I like David Bruckner's other films, but he should have, like, put his foot down and had changes made. David S. Goyer should not have been involved in this at all, but he's a producer and one of the story writers. The Ben Collins and Luke uh, Petrowski, who also wrote uh, Siren and Nighthouse with uh, Beckner, should no somebody else needed to come in and rewrite their screenplay because their screenplay sucks. Your screenplay is shit. Uh, Goyer's story is shit. I know Barker was involved. He needed to sit their bitch asses down and just fix it because there are moments. I would love to see Buckner get another shot with anybody fucking else writing the story and screenplay and Clayton coming back. It's got bits. It is so close to being a worthy Hellraiser. And I think Tyler's crazy for putting it under the ones he did. But yeah, it's like fourth. It, it, it's tied with Bloodline. And one, two, three, Bloodline into 2022. And then, I know T loves them. Some people love Inferno. They're wrong for that. I'm sorry. Inferno's goofy and kind of dull because Craig Sheffer. But, you know, I mean, like, it is a lesser Hellraiser. It has moments. It shouldn't be. There's no fucking excuse for it to be a lesser movie like this. Except, yeah, somebody fucked up. And it's probably some higher up at Disney. Yeah. 
I think that's why it is. It just feels really tame. It feels really, really toned. And it, it just, it's a, like the whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, I just want to be watching the original. Yeah. And that's what I'm going to do after I'm done talking to you bastards. I'm going to go watch the original. <laughs> but first, I have to talk about the woman. Oh. 2011, directed by Lucky McKee from a screenplay by uh, Lucky McKee and Jack Ketchum, inspired by Ketchum's original novel, The Offspring. Oh, Lord. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The the woman, the only surviving member of the feral pack from Offspring, is captured by Uber Mass... Uh, I'm sorry, Chris Cleek, a lawyer who is also uber misogyny. He strings her, he hangs her up in his basement and uh, does awful things to her while abusing his wife and daughter who goes to school where stupid, stupid things happen. Like, I could, I could keep going, oh, and these things happen, but I fucking hate this movie and it's not worth describing. <laughs> I hate this movie so much because um, especially right on the heels of fucking all cheerleaders die. Uh, I'm convinced Lucky McKee hates women because this is Joss Whedon level bullshit fake feminism. They make the villain such this. I mean, he's a bullshit villain. I've known awful abusive misogynist, but he's like that step too far. He's a comic book. He's a cartoon, but he's not a fun cartoon. He's not evil enough to hate. He's just bland. <laughs> He's dully evil. And then on the opposite end is the woman, who's not really feminist in any way, shape, or form. She's a super-powered abuse doll, but she's super-fucking-powered, so it doesn't matter what happens to her. I mean, in, like, the second scene, she starts to break a, a, a guy that should hold over a 1,000 pounds. And then you've got a teacher subplot, which is the dumbest fucking thing, because when a dude is obviously abusive as fuck and he's staring at you with hate in his eyes, you shut the fuck up. No one is that dumb. And then let's talk about the 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 surprise daughter. Do you know what? Um, they they started talking about the sin of of um uh crap. Anathlopia. Do you know what that is? No, I didn't bother to look into it. <laughs> I knew what that was uh, to begin with. That's a birth defect where an eye, or I guess in this case, two eyes don't fully grow. So this is a movie about a man that captures and rapes a feral woman while abusing his wife and daughters while having another feral child kept with dogs. And mom leaves him at one point for going too far. Keeping a daughter as a feral monster isn't too far. What bullshit is this movie? Mm -hmm. I look. I'm all for fun flights of fancy, but there's there's too far, and this is the same issue that um, all cheerleaders must die have. Where instead of like plotting out a good story, they just make they throw so much bullshit on the villain. And at the end, it's 
it breaks all tension. It breaks all care. Because all, all cheerleaders, as much as I, he goes from being an asshole that murdered them that they don't really fucking care about to, oh, by the way, he's also a rapist. He's killed them twice, but that doesn't matter. This matters. And it's the same with this one. Oh, he's been abusing his wife for years and eh, whatever. But now this is beyond the pale. And it and the ending is fucking stupid. And everything in between is fucking stupid. This movie is just fucking stupid. And dull. With terrible... It's terrible performances. I like Angela Bettis and other things, but she's given nothing in this. And I... Like the other two, I think there could have been something good here, but Lucky McKee is not the fucking person to do it. He's not the person to do fucking anything. It's a bad fucking movie. It's long, it's dull, it's poorly shot, it's terribly acted. The fucking villains in this movie, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, they are unable to work in society drooling, crazy, misogynistic monsters. <coughs> And, like, again, if you have something to say, say it. Great, but it doesn't. This is the Whedon-esque feminism where it's like, look, we've got a strong woman. Ha, 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 ha. I mean, forget the fact that all of this is about abusing women and the visceral feel the audience gets from that. We're vindicating them in the end. Wink. Ha, ha. No. You're not. You are doing a bad thing, making a bad movie. Don't try to pretend like you're you're making some grand statement of empowerment. Just like embrace making shit. And that's my problem. I hate this movie because it's full of bullshit, pretentious, and dull. Fucking hate it. And the third one, Darlin', is even worse. Because that goes for even lower hanging fruit. It sucks. The cast sucks. The kills suck. There's like five minutes of a bloody spree that I guess could be fun, except like she's super powered. There's no drama. There's no care or anything for this. None of these characters mean anything. It's just, I'm being nasty, but you're not really being nasty because, uh, I, I hate to say it, T, uh, you love movies with mean people, but mean people don't fucking matter if they're not doing it to actual people. It's like the bunny game. Yeah, that's two hours of watching someone be abused, but they're an abuse style. They're not a human. It doesn't it it doesn't have an effect because of that. And that's the same thing here. The woman isn't a character. Mom and daughters aren't characters. They're they're abuse styles. Just to be pissed on by this cartoon. And I that bores the shit out of me. And it's not even well made. Nah, pass. I, yeah, so I I don't disagree with any of that. I think the biggest problem with this movie is that it it, it doesn't connect to a, a, the outside world at all. So whatever point it's trying to make, I assume that the 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 message here is that like men are terrible and are shitty to women um and you know it's gonna take some superhuman woman to to save us all or whatever but it doesn't it doesn't connect 
there's no whatever message is trying to be conveyed here because I I assume I mean you can't make a movie like this and not say well we're trying to make a greater we're trying to make a a statement capital A capital S statement you know like but but it exists in its own it 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 exists in a a hot box basically the only connection there there's no there's no men who exist in the outside world of this like the only outside scenes are at school the only guy i i shouldn't say there are no men who exist outside of the of the world um that this takes place in because there is there's one guy he's at the school and he's a filthy pervert too so like there's there's no grand point that can be made here so i my mind because i had watched it just a, a day or two prior um my dad and i watched fresh and fresh um there i don't want to say there's a similar concept but sort of the core is the same a guy kidnapping a woman and and tying her up um in his house but it goes in such a different direction but that movie at least has an outside world that it's connected to first the main character in that movie in fresh she has had a string of terrible experiences with trying to date um you know meeting these pretentious stuck up snob guys or getting dick pics sent to her you know so she's decides to more in the towel and then meets a guy by quote unquote chance at the grocery store who just seems way too perfect but of course he ends up being like way worse than any guy that she's met so you get that if if the story if both of these stories are supposed to be about you know toxic masculinity at the very least connect it to the outside world and and show that it's it's not just one person it's not just this guy it's endemic of a whole culture okay if you're going to try to get that point across but this movie just exists in its own bubble so it doesn't work and like dave said it's so cartoonishly over the top right from the start you know not even like a hint that this guy that that Chris Cleek okay maybe he's a good family man or something and then he gets this idea in his head like oh i found this feral woman what if i could civilize her you know the the politics of that would be way more interesting if it were like if it were not already well established that he's a fucking asshole <laughs> like he's he's so over uh, terrible to his wife to his oldest daughter um his son is following all too close in his footsteps um so there there's just to me i i saw this movie years ago i i saw this ages and ages ago and i remember at the time watching it and thinking i know i i feel like this movie has something to say but i can't 
I can't figure it out because I was just so like, what did I just sit through? Um, and I, I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to file it away. Maybe I need to rewatch it just on my own instead of in a group setting. You know, where it was like late, late at night. We had been watching a bunch of movies up to that point. Um, so maybe I need to go back to this one in a couple years or whatever. And in my, in my mind, it was always much worse. It was one of those movies where it was like, oh, God, I really got to be in the right mindset to watch this because I remember it being really tortury and terrible to watch. So it was like, ah, uh, I'll get around to it. And and then I find out that it's this week's, one of this week's movies, and I'm like, well, shit, I guess I better get ready to watch it again. So I sit down, and I, I like, telling my parents about it, and I'm like, hey, um, for this movie that I got to watch, I'm like, I'm going to tell you right now, Mom, you don't want to be in the room at all for this. So if you want to go play games on your computer or something, like, go away. <laughs> you don't want to be on. And uh, I was like, Dad, maybe not you as well, but he stuck it out for most of the movie. At one point, he got up and was like, oh, I think this is my cue to leave. Um, but he did come back for the end. Um, but I, watching it, I, I see now how absolutely silly this movie is. It's very silly. Um, the soundtrack choices are incredibly silly. Oh, that they, fucking they soundtrack. Undercut, they undercut everything. So to the point where it's like, I'm not sure if, if you're going for, like, are you trying to be comedic? It's not working. Yeah. And it's also not, it's not adding any tension to this to the scenes. It's it's just constantly undermining everything about the movie. Um, my the only part of the movie that I actually I, I don't want to say I, I liked it, but I kind of appreciated. I don't know how to put it, but right at the very end of the movie. Um, after all the carnage, the, the only people left are, um, the feral daughter, Sprocket, the woman, Peggy, who's the older daughter, and Darlin, who's the younger. And the woman, but she, she's known right from the start that Peggy is pregnant. She's, she's like sensed that with Peggy. Um, she puts her hand on Peggy's stomach and and then and then takes she takes Darlin away from Peggy and then puts her hand on Peggy's stomach as if to indicate to her you've got one of your own this one is mine this little one is mine now you've got one in your your belly that's yours and that little bit of acting i thought that i was like this is that moment is great. The rest of this movie is just, it just feels like it exists. I, I don't like the term torture porn, but this movie feels 
like torture porn. It feels like the kind of movie that people would watch to get off on um, because a woman is being tied up and, and raped and violated and mutilated, and that's it. Um, and not that, but also um, the wife is getting, you know, like punched in the stomach and punched in the face. And even though they don't show it, the daughter is being raped by her dad, like, um, and the son is, you know, becoming like a, like baby torturer. Um, and I don't know. I, I just, I, I find this movie in particular to actually be kind of abhorrent. Um, and I was so surprised, like, when I posted about this movie, everyone who was like, oh, I love this movie so much, it was a guy. To the point where I want to take a scientific poll. If you've seen this movie, are you, if you've seen this movie, first of all, do you, do you like this movie or do you enjoy it or do you think it's a good film? And what gender are you? I want to know a breakdown. How many women like this movie <laughs> versus how many men? Because it seems like the only people I have, I've encountered recently that like this movie are men. And I want to know why. What's, what's, I, I think people might need to explore that. <laughs> Why do you like this movie? Um, be articulate, please. But anyhow, um, I I know this is what some people get into, and I guess it's their bag. This movie is incredibly not my bag. I'm glad I rewatched it in so much as it confirmed for me a little bit about what I felt about it the first time I watched it, which was, I know this movie is trying to say something, but what is it? Rewatching the movie figured that out for me. It's really not saying anything. It thinks that it, the, the, the filmmakers think they're saying something important, but, but they're not. And I also think that maybe Jack Ketchum has some kind of torture fetish that he's working out. Cause you, this isn't, you think? This isn't the first one no. um, by a long shot, but the girl next door was the first one that came to mind to me, which the whole point of that story, unfortunate um, as it is, is girl in a basement being tortured. So I think he's got some issues and maybe he needs and, to work elsewhere. And the boy that liked her sexual awakening. Fuck. Yeah. Jack yeah. had yeah. had issues. He's got he's got some stuff because to work out. Now that I'm thinking about it, almost all of them are about men that torture women and their sexuality. Oh, Jack. Yeah, I'm sorry to bring that to light, but um, I think it's, you know, this isn't like like a Quentin Tarantino foot fetish thing where you can kind of go, okay, it's weird, we get it, but that's your bag. Uh, I don't want to kink shame you, but this is, I think, this is like... Um, Therapy would be better for you than than writing books about this stuff. And that's me. I'm sorry. Poor Tyler. I know you love this movie. See, that, this is the great thing about T. Some people get upset. I pissed off so many people this week by reminding them that uh, Jeepers Creepers 1 and 2 aren't good. They're just a pedophile talking about his inner monster being unstoppable. 
Oh, yeah. Which is, you know, it's a choice. And people get very, very upset at me. Yeah. T, no, T, T's awesome. He knows we, I can, and vice versa. He can slam my shit. I don't get angry. T doesn't get angry yeah. because your media preferences are not you. It's not yeah. personal. Yeah. Except, that's, that's, except at Lucky McKee. You're a, you're, uh, <laughs> no. Yeah, Lucky McKee, screw you. But no, no, no. I, 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 I love Tyler no matter what. Um, but, and I know that this movie is not him. Um, but I, I, I do feel a need to like, just apologize for everything. <laughs> no, it's fine. I, like Doug Dave said, I, I never would care if someone dislikes a movie that I like. It just, it doesn't bother me. People who get mad over other people's movie opinions should not be watching movies or listening to reviews or nothing. Cause that's just, that's not how the world should work. Everybody should respect someone's other movie opinion, whether they dislike it or not. That's just that's how it should be when it, in the world of movies. Unfortunately, that does not exist though, because we live in a world where you can't like something, you can't dislike something, and just it's it's crazy. But um, I knew with Kevin not being on this episode, I would be alone with this one tonight, and that's totally okay. Um, uh, Kevin actually gave this like four and a half stars. So, uh, damn you, Kevin, where are you? Anyways, um. Uh, Jack Ketchum is actually my uh, favorite author of all time. Uh, I've read almost everything he's done. I feel like he writes to my sensibilities of what I like in horror. I like really nasty, mean-spirited movies. That's just what I've always gone for. Um, I just I adore that man's work. Uh, there's a novella of his called Right to Life that I would love to adapt if I ever had the chance and money to make something of his. I've talked to Dave about this many, many times over the years. Uh, he knows my love for that novella and catch him. I, I just I've been chasing that shit for years and it probably never happened. But hey, you never know. Um, anyways, I think the woman is fantastic. I have read the book. It does stay super loyal to the source material, almost line for line at times, with a few minor differences here and there. The main difference in the novel is the woman character herself actually has a clear voice. You actually get a lot more of her psyche in the book and what she's thinking, um, which the movie does not show. Uh, and there's an epilogue in the book that tells you what happens to the surviving characters. The, the which just stuff, just makes them disposable, by the way, which makes them even more pointless. Yeah, the the teacher has a different kind of role too. I mean, it's very similar the way the teacher thing plays out, but she has a little bit bigger of a role. And uh, I think if I had to change one difference with the movie, I would have went with how they portrayed the teacher in the book. But that's really my only issue. Um, I love the movie dearly. Uh, I went back and looked at my list, and it was actually my favorite movie of 2011. Uh, I think the cast is fucking great. Uh, Sean Bridgers, I think, is fantastic as the villain. Any performance that makes you hate that character's guts is what I consider a truly great performance. I hated his fucking character. He's fucking vile, and he totally sold that shit for me. Uh, Pollyanna McIntosh, I think that's how you pronounce her last name. Uh, I think she's amazing. She always is, though. She was one of the best things about the, the later seasons of The Walking Dead, too. She's great. 
she has no dialogue in this, yet she still sells the anger and pain just through her physical performance. She's incredible. Um, I love Angela Bettis. I think she's good. Lauren Ashley Carter, the sister, she's good. The brother is played by Zach Rand. I think he's good. I think the whole cast is really good. Um, so this might be the most controversial shit I've ever said on this podcast. Ever. But I love this weird-ass soundtrack. Uh, I know a lot of folks will disagree with me hardcore on that, and that's fine. Uh, the music does not fit, but I love it for that reason alone. It's like bizarre, uplifting indie rock playing over like scenes of abuse and brutality, which is the last thing you'd expect for that music to be playing over. But Lucky McKee does it. And it's a strange choice, but I think it works well. Um, this is my favorite Lucky McKee film. Uh, we covered All Cheerleaders Die last week, which would be my second. Dave actually hated that one, too. Uh, Kevin actually voted for it. So there's another Kevin vote for a Lucky McKee film. Um, but it's also one of my favorite Jack Ketchum adaptations. It truly captures the atmosphere of the novel. Uh, it's still to this day probably one of the most faithful book-to-film adaptations I've seen. Ketchum being so hardcore involved of the making probably helps the adaptation. But um, but I just go back and forth with this in the Lost for my number one spot of his adaptations so far. But uh, yeah, I'm a, uh, I'm a huge fan of this movie. I, I've dug it since the release. I love the book. I love Ketchum. Uh, I will not disagree but if you don't like it you know I mean, that's just I, I can understand why someone wouldn't like it if you don't like this kind of stuff torture just mean-spirited just characters i get it i it's, i totally get it but it's something that i've always dug and i just i really love this movie a lot that's okay i will now uh take all hate off tyler's shoulders and put them on my own by saying halloween ends comes out this weekend and um you you know what the two best Halloween movies actually are? The original and Rob Zombie's H2. I said it. I said it. Come hate on me all you want. This is why I love Dave. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's time yeah. to pick one and oh, this is this is a tough one. So <laughs> not do ourselves any favors this week <laughs> i mean tyler's obviously going for the woman so tyler why don't you go first i never thought i would be voting for any movie over something hell is related um which is bizarre but yes i am going with the woman i mean this this is tough but i i think i'm gonna go with hellraiser just because it has the bones and i, I want to see a sequel so I want to encourage people to see it if they haven't already. So Hellraiser, just because there's a potential sequel that's better. And there's like, like you would literally have to like pull out my toenails for me to say the woman right now. I am going to vote for Hellraiser this week because I think there's potential, you know, I, I think, like, we, if they, and I do want people to watch it. Um, this one I would actively encourage people to watch, um, even though I was, it fell flat for me. But, um, yeah, I think there's, there's potential there for some good stuff. And I want to see Jamie Clayton as 
as Pinhead again in like a whole bunch of these. Please. So yeah. I'll raise a tech raver. <laughs> uh next week it's it's back to normal. Craig and Kevin should be with us. And uh it, it's gonna be our first real October ish episode with uh four movies. Those movies Kevin is making us watch the Argento classic Inferno. Craig is making us watch the, uh, I think it's uh, UK, a dark song. I am going with a movie by a Japanese auteur who's uh, we all like. I because I am I am so pandering for the win. I think it's his only film we haven't covered yet. I'm going with uh, Satoshi Kon's Perfect Blue. Ooh. And I, I'm okay. These are the bands that are in the soundtrack for my next pick, guys. Rob Zombie, Blink-182, The Offspring, and Static X. All those bands play in this movie. I am going with one of the single greatest horror comedies of all time, Idle Hands. Oh, you changed it from your earlier threats? I did. I did. Damn. Because the one I was going to go with is not a horror movie. I don't care what IMDb says. That is not a fucking horror movie. And I just couldn't do it to you guys after making you suffer through the cheerleader movie and the woman. So I'll just, I'll go easy. Damn, but, get, getting our Devin Sawa on. Yes. Oh, man. I love Idle oh. Man. Oh, that's. Damn. See, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to pull a, I'm going to pull a fast one. I'm going to get me sit the wind. But now. Oh, it's gonna it's gonna take a lot to get Kevin to vote against that. Oh, son of a bitch! <laughs> I, brought, I, I hate that. I bring out the big guns, and then like like it's always yeah. like ah, uh, there's somebody just one ups me. Yeah. Not not that it's a better movie, just they know how to play the others better. <laughs> My original pick, which I will pick down the line because I love the movie, was The Seasoning House, and it's not a it's not a horror movie. I mean, it's horrific and nasty and brutal but it's not a horror movie it it's really a drama so, yeah yeah it's a drama that's why i didn't pick it i'm like no matter what imdb says it's not a horror movie and i just i i can't justify picking it yeah hold on one second okay i just gotta uh okay you can find us on twitter at raiders of the pod we're on facebook where i thought i put a uh post on there last night but it was actually on my wall so i had to do that post twice sorry kevin um we're on instagram raiders underscore of underscore the underscore podcast we have a youtube channel where you can subscribe like and comment and watch kevin's totally awesome videos and you can always email us at raiders of the podcast at gmail.com if, if you email us we will probably do whatever terrible movie you want us you talk about because uh we're suckers as always, thanks for listening. Anna, it's always good to have you with us. So yeah, Thank you guys for having me on. As always, it's a blast. Uh, thanks for joining me, T. I'll talk to you next week. Yep, I'll be there. Oh, fuck. At, at, least there's no, <laughs> at least there's no Lucky McKee next week. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was going to cry. I, once once he changed his mind, I was like three seconds from crying. If he said May, I, I would have cried. I'm just letting oh, you know. I like May, though. Me too, but May is all the cast. That's Cast yeah. is stacked. 